our usual idolatry, Ephesians 5, verse 5 through 9. If you would like to stand with me, let me read the passage, and then we'll sit back down. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you get out of them, the usual, the everyday, the common variations on idolatry will get you nowhere, and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk, but want nothing to do with Him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. Please have a seat. As I read that passage and I saw that phrase, usual, everyday, common, idolatry, I, I flash back to like my first uh, trans-Pacific mission trip. I went to Malaysia. Jeff and KK's place of visitation for a while. And, and, I, and I realized that I saw there for the first time in my life, I was in college, I saw what I would say that Paul would call unusual idolatry. I mean, I saw, I mean, there were Buddhists everywhere. I mean, Buddhas everywhere. I mean, I guess that was, there were Buddhists everywhere too. But... I, I'd, never, I'd never like driven by a temple and looked through the windows and seen priests you know, serving idols. I, I had never seen that. And then I remember uh, within Malaysia, there's lots of Hindus as well. And I remember the Hindu temples just had these, what seemed to be idols decorating every temple, like hundreds and hundreds of idols, and that's what's there. And then like our clip said... You know, we, we have the history of idols in the Bible. If you go back to Exodus 20, uh, you know, Moses is receiving law, uh, revelation from God, and he comes down and says, well, you know, these are the big ten, these are the big ten words, the big commandments. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form, or anything, whatever, whether things that fly or walk or swim, don't, don't bow down to, to them. Or serve them because I'm God, you're God, and I'm a most jealous God. Punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them to the third and, yes, even the fourth generation of those who hate me. But I'm unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. So here you have this commandment given with God. I mean, God on a mountain. I mean, there's thunder, there's lightning. I mean, God's voice. I mean, like God is there and these people are listening to this, and Moses is going to visit, and he's bringing back these... I mean, and then like in Exodus 25, uh, Aaron and others go on with Moses kind of up the mountain, and they get close enough, like they get to see God, a, you know, like a theophany, a God appearance. I mean, they're seeing that, and then God speaks, like they're hearing God's voice, and then God says, well, Moses, you come on up and hang out with me for the next 40 days. The rest of you, you're close enough. You need to go on back. So they go back down, uh, and when they get back down, Moses, you know, takes too too long, and so they say, "Well, I don't, I think 
Moses must be toast. God must have done him in. So why don't we, let's create our own God. So they, they got the commandment. Aaron and other leaders saw God, but then like they're already making an idol. So God spoke to Moses up on the mountain. He said, get, get down there. Your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, they've fallen to pieces. In no time at all, they've turned around from the way I commanded them. They've made a molten calf and worshipped it. They're sacrificed to it. They said, these are the gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. So idolatry is in the Bible, uh, but it's not really like the common or the ordinary. And what Paul's talking, he's not talking to us about Buddhism or Hinduism. He's not talking to us about something out of the Old Testament. He's just talking to us about our plain old everyday idolatry. Our passage identifies what that is. Using people or religion or things just for what we get out of them, that's, that's the usual variations on idolatry. And even more specifically in other translations, a greedy person is an idolator, worshiping the things of this world. A greedy person is an idolator, worshiping the things of this world. Now that jumped off of the page. And so I'm going to kind of take you down a path that I wasn't anticipating, but I think it's a path that is extremely relevant with the time that we live in. Now, we, we could say there's a lot wrong uh, with the nation we live in, but I think there's a root of what's wrong with our nation. And I would like to suggest to you that the root of the problems of the United States of America is not gay marriage. It's greed. And I could point to, to examples out of the government. I could point to examples out of Wall Street. I could point to examples of corporations. I could point to examples in my own life and our life. We right now are a culture that is idolatrous. And I wish I could say, and I can't, that we within the church were doing a better job in handling greed, but we don't. We, you know, again, like, like last week, you know, I, I wish that we could really, we could really have a, some, a platform to speak about LGBT issues, but when the family is falling apart and fidelity is gone and monogamy is gone and like the institution of marriage is leaving, why does it surprise us that people begin to try something different? Well, you know, why, I don't, why do we expect lost people to act any different than being lost? I mean, people are trying to look for something that's real. I'm not saying that's right, but, but where are the people that really are kind of the beacons of light? And, and what I would like to say to us today is that within the church of Jesus Christ, greed has also become something that's really undermining us. Let me take you back into the history of our faith. 
Primitive Christianity attached great importance to sins relating to possessions. Let that sink in for a moment. From the beginning of the Christian faith, there was great importance attached to the sins relating to possessions. Like, do you remember the rich young ruler that said, boy, I'd really like to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, great. Give your possessions to the poor and come follow me. Or was there really like, was there really a reason like when the church at Pentecost, which we'll, we'll celebrate Pentecost Sunday next week, was there a reason that when there's this, this outbreak of the Spirit of God, Spirit of God comes, 3,000 people come to faith, and one of the first things they do is they sold everything. And they had a common purse. See, there's something in the history of our faith that recognizes that possessions can undermine life. We find quite often a common discussion of filthiness, immorality, in both sex and business life. We love to major on the sexual part of that. You know, we love to get, you know, really, you're going to hear, and I'm going to hear, I'm going to get sick of hearing about how immoral LGBT stuff is but I'm going to hear that from people that don't realize it's just as immoral when your business life is all about greed. Nate and I were involved in a remodeling that just got worse and worse and worse and worse, not because of us, but because there was a Christian who took our charges, double or tripled them, and just had this snowballing effect of cheating this family, <laughs> defrauding this family, and kind of used us as the cover-up for that. Well, that's, that's just as immoral as a gay marriage in God's eyes. For Christian ministers in particular, there is the danger that they will abuse their office to satisfy their greed. I mean, how many times have we heard that song and dance? Where those that have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus, He became poor. What did Jesus own? Nothing. Jesus allowed a group of women to supply for his ministry, but that's it. And so for those in leadership to get rich off of ministry, that's not a sign of God's blessing. That's a sign of idolatry. Greed. I wish it got better. Primitive Christianity would trace its roots of, of the sins of possession back to what Jesus said. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. You can't worship God and mammon. This is what mammon means. Mammon means property. Earthly goods, 
and is always with a derogatory sense of the materialistic, anti-godly, and sinful. And the earthly property that man gathers and which he erroneously seeks security to which he gives his heart and because of which he ceases to love, Jesus finds the very opposite of God because of the demonic power imminent in possessions. Surrender to them brings practical enslavement. The righteous must resolutely break free from the entanglement and stand in exclusive dependence on God. Wow! Friend, this is out of a theological dictionary. This is not, this is, I mean, I would not expect. I mean, this is just like a word study book of Greek words. And that is a loaded statement. Because what do we value in our culture? We value owning property. We value having material goods. And when we do that without realizing that that, be, that that can become our undoing. And we have to understand that in the history of Christianity, there were Christians that that's a real problem to be enslaved to demonic powers through materialism. So I'm going to jettison my material goods and follow God. I'm going to be dependent upon Him as Jesus seek first the kingdom. I mean, how many of us really seek first the kingdom? And then these things we are given, which is food and clothing. See, that, that is so radical. That's so far from how we've been brought up. It's so far from the billboards, the advertisements, anything on the TV. We stimulate our economy by buying more stuff. Oh, help us, Jesus. The primitive Christian community understood the importance of the battle against sins of possession. Along with sensual desire, material covetousness is a special threat to the new life of the Christian. Material covetousness brings the Christian under an ungodly and demonic spell which completely separates the Christian from God through serving an alien power. You remember the old story of the frog that you put in the water that's warm and you just keep heating it up? And the the frog just doesn't ever get out until he's dead? As I read this stuff, I think that may be us. I think that we've been dropped in this pot of materialism and it's kind of been lukewarm and it's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And the more we accumulate, and the more we think we have to accumulate, and the more we own, it begins to own us, and the life of God expires in us. You see, what we've been talking about is that the Holy Spirit's trying to fashion a renewed life from the inside out. So He wants wants to accurately reproduce the character of Jesus within us And then that will rise itself to the top and then kind of work its way out in conduct. And so what I think what Paul is doing here is saying this this is one of the things that's going to really undermine that process if you don't get a grip on it. Our material possessions can end the life of God developing in us from the inside out. We can move from being in the kingdom of light 
to being in the kingdom of darkness and not even know it. Because of our stuff. Because our stuff begins to own us. The idolatry that Paul is most concerned about in this passage is not pornea. Sounds like pornography. It's sexual immorality. But we put that really high on our list. That's not number one on his list. It's in the list, but it's not number one. And then it's not kind of like immorality in general. Viciousness, I never knew that viciousness had to do with vice. It has to do with our addictions, our seeking of just kind of depraved stuff. Well, that's not number one either. It's covetousness. Wanting more. And never being satisfied and wanting more. And wanting more. Again, just to illustrate, my friends, you and I live in the most prosperous nation on the planet. And as we live in the most prosperous nation on the planet, we have the greatest debt of any nation, which tells me that we have this insatiable desire for more. And we can blame government all we want, but I'd like to remind you that we are the government. Greed. And it's, I just, is it worth it? Is it worth it to have stuff? Because this, this passage says if, if I'm possessing stuff, then I'm not going to possess the salvation of the kingdom. I can't, I can't enjoy the rule and the reign of Jesus as I'm holding on to my stuff, which possibly even brings demonic influence into my life. I mean, by letting go of our stuff, we, we get to like, move out into the open rather than groping our way through the muck. Rather than stumbling, we, we can, now we can see the bright light of Christ and He makes our way plain. And I love this. We can get on with it. We can get on with it. Get on with life. Get on with where God's taking our planet. So here's some suggestions for us. Why don't we identify the material possessions that own us? For some of us, it's clothes. We just can't get enough clothes. I kind of have a sock fetish. I like these like comfy socks, you know? <laughs> we, there, we, all, we all have, we have, some, we, have some, we own something that owns us. So identify what it is. It could be a car. Susan and I talked about our house and how much we really enjoy owning our house. But does our house own us? For some of us, it could be our business. Our business owns us rather than us managing our business. It could be jewelry. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Identify the material possessions that own us. Now, one obvious one we might like overlook is like money. 
In my years, <laughs> I have yet to meet a millionaire that is generous. Every millionaire that I've known have, has watched their money closer than anybody I know. Now, I've met the poor in the trash dumps in Zacatecas, Mexico, who would give me the coat off of their back in a moment. So our money can own us. So we all let can we could we agree to identify what material possessions own us? And then once we identify, let's let's pay careful attention to Jesus. We're just going to keep doing the same thing that Paul tells us to do. Let's look back at Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. Because when we focus on Jesus, what Jesus encourages us is to seek first the kingdom of God. And he's not saying, you know, just you know, just stick it out until later. He's talking about now. The kingdom has great benefit now. Yes, for later, yes. But even now, seek first the kingdom now in the here and the now. And the context of that is, let go of your stuff, seek the kingdom first, and let God provide for us. And then again, the question, I already asked it, but I'm going to ask it again. What did Jesus own? He didn't own a home. He didn't own a car. He didn't have a savings account. He didn't have a bank account. When the apostles were asked by the blind man for alms, you know, a gift at the temple, two of the followers of Jesus said, well, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, friends, I take it quite literally. They didn't have any money in their pockets. They didn't own material goods. But they had something better. I mean, wouldn't you like to say to somebody that's... I mean, wouldn't you like to say to Ron today, with the authority of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be healed. So let's focus on Jesus. How did he get along without material possessions? Then let's invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the threat of material covetousness. There's a real threat. The ancient, our ancient forefathers, they understood the threat that our stuff can own us, that if our stuff owns us, that it begins to kill the life of God in us and that it actually moves us back into darkness, not forward into light. So could we ask the Holy Spirit just to really reveal that threat to us? I mean, He wants to accurately reproduce freedom. This is about freedom and generosity within us. To be captivated by the kingdom of God, not by the kingdom of this world. To let go of the stuff of the world and grab onto the stuff of heaven. Can we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us far from temptation and deliver us from the evil one? I mean, the the evil one has established an idol in all of our lives. And we're bombarded with it. Every day, you're going to be bombarded with it today when you leave. The billboards, the advertisements, that car, that car, 
that, that, that dress or that, the, I want. I, there's an idol in our lives. Can we ask the Holy Spirit, help us? Lead us away from that. Deliver us from the evil one who's trying to undermine us. And then finally, here's the most radical thing we can do. This would be a Jesus thing. If we identify the material possessions that own us, and if we pay careful attention to Jesus, and we invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the threat of material covetousness, I mean, we're kind of walking down through that, and we take that seriously. Then let's give our material possessions, those that own us, let's give them to the poor. That would be radical obedience. <laughs> That's what I believe Jesus would have us do with our stuff. Don't entertain the thought, oh, it couldn't be that bad. Don't entertain that thought. It is that bad. Idolatry is that bad. <laughs> Being duped into serving the kingdoms of this world is that bad? If you don't know who the poor are, I can help you. The folks that live in Laurel Plaza, they're poor. In years past, that would have been called the poorhouse. There are people that live there that don't have a bed to sleep on. They don't have any furniture. I got furniture coming out of the kazoo. If that furniture owns me, give it to somebody that's poor that doesn't have a bed. I also have lots of poor friends in Rwanda. I mean, <laughs> we have friends, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. When they get a meal, they eat a lot because they really don't know when the next meal is coming. The next epicenter of Christianity is predicted to be Africa. And they got nothing materially. Maybe that's to their benefit. Give to the poor. Go back to the rich young ruler. You want to follow me, Jesus said? I can see that your possessions own you. So if you want to follow me, Give your possessions to the poor and come follow me. That would have been a great day of celebration if he would have done that, but it was a very sad day because he couldn't let go of his possessions. So he walked away from Jesus holding on to whatever his possessions were. I would guess that he died a very sad person. Or maybe the grace of God... He gave it up later. I don't know the rest of that story. But this is our moment. It's our moment to be a unique, distinctive people on the planet who say to our neighbors and the nations, there is a God worthy of our worship. 
There is a God that provides so much for us. There is a God that allows us to let go of our material junk so we can be generous to the poor and we can follow him. Would you like to stand with me and let's pray? Jesus, as I come to this moment, I I don't even know how to pray. You really surprised me as I read these verses, as I looked at the words and studied what I believe the Holy Spirit was saying. You really took me off guard. You kind of knocked me off balance. You, you changed what I thought this passage was about to something that I think is definitely on your heart. So Holy Spirit, all I can say is help me. Help me with praying a prayer that would just come out in groans. Because something is really, really powerful in this moment. It's as if our community is that rich young ruler that together all of us seem to be that one person with that great wealth. And you're saying to us, follow me. But before you follow me, you've got to let go of the material possessions that have hold of you. Holy Spirit, without your insight, without your conviction, without you revealing to us what possessions own us, you know, we're just going to kind of continue to stumble along. But would you be gracious enough to illuminate us right now? Would you show us what is tripping us up? Would you show us what, you know, you, you follow up and said it, it's, it's like it's impossible for the rich to get through the eye of the needle because they're holding on to their stuff. Jesus, what stuff, what material possessions do we have that we need to let go of? I th- I, on the surface, every one of us would say, no, we don't want to be idolaters. But Lord, this goes much deeper than the surface. This goes right to the core of who we are. We've all been brought up in a, a society that's materialistic. We've all been brought up with this notion that until we own something, we have nothing. Or we've been brought up in an economy that 
that teaches us to buy and to buy and to continue to buy. And when we're out of money to charge and to charge and to keep charging until we're deep in debt. And Lord, you're saying to us that until we're free of material possessions that own us, we can't, we, we, we can't participate fully in the salvation of your kingdom. And I don't know of a single one of us that doesn't want to participate today in the salvation of your kingdom. So all I can do is say, have mercy on us, Lord. Don't let any of us harden our heart to what you're saying to us. For those of us that have, have, have been able to not be owned by our possessions, you know, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, keep us free. The Lord, for those of us that are being owned by stuff or hopes of stuff, would you please set us free from that today? Have mercy on us, Lord. Then finally, Lord, I just I say, have mercy on our, on, our on our land, on our nation, Lord. Have mercy on our government, on business, on Wall Street, on Main Street. Have mercy on us, Lord. To have so much and yet to be so deep in debt. Have mercy, Lord. Thank you that your mercy triumphs over judgment. Without that, Lord, we would be totally lost. Before I say amen, if anybody just has just a really strong sense of just conviction, that you just know that you know that you know that some stuff owns you and you need help, now we want to provide that. We're, again, we're not here to judge each other. We're not here to beat each other up. We're here to help each other. So if it would help you today for somebody else to know your struggle and to pray with you, we'll, we'll have ministry over here in this corner and, and just invite uh, the Holy Spirit just to continue to do whatever He's doing in our lives. Lord, as we go into this week, help us to remember these suggestions. that, O oh Lord, we could be totally owned by you for your sake and for your kingdom. In your name I pray. Amen.